church? There's a lot of different answers to that question. But you know what the number one answer really should be? My Lord, in His Word, tells me not to give a meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. You see, whenever the Word of God means everything to you, it doesn't matter who lets you down. It doesn't matter if the music's too loud or if the lights are too bright or dim. If the air conditioning's not cool enough or if it's just muggy. Or that person was rude or they didn't say hi or he's wearing jeans. It doesn't matter because your focus is on your walk with the Lord. Oh, on that great day when we all stand before the King of Kings, the only thing that He is going to care about is your faith. And the only thing you're going to care about is to hear Him say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's it. No one's going to be standing beside me No one's going to be standing beside you. It's just going to be you and yourself before your God. And Peter tells us, on that day of judgment, if judgment begins with the family of God, oh, what will become of those that don't know the Lord? So let the Kentwood Christian Church Continue to invite and to encourage and inspire by the life we live in Christ Jesus others to pick up the mantle of faith. This whole six weeks series, swim, see what it means to live by faith and not by sight has taken us from deciding whether or not we're going to suit up in the spiritual garment, if we're going to put on the armor of God so that we can actually go through this life, not in our strength, but in God's strength to face the challenges and the struggle and the hardships and the suffering. You won't survive without His armor. It is a spiritual battle. And Satan and his demons will overwhelm you if you do not have the armor of God and if you don't stand on the rock which is Jesus Christ. You won't make it. This week has has been like a overwhelming week. Actually, an overwhelming month in many ways for me. Yesterday, I did a funeral for a man that uh, his wife was a dedicated member of this church. When it first started, they owned the property over on Kentwood Community Church. They lived in a little house in the woods. He was a farmer. Catherine Rawlings died in 2001. Her husband lived another 
17 years and died at the age of 93, wasn't a churchgoer. But he helped and served and plowed snow through the years and did whatever he could, but he just wasn't a churchgoer. And they had moved away and then moved back and then were up north and called and can you officiate the funeral? And in the midst of that, we're down in Kalamazoo babysitting all week because Ashley's out in Austin, Texas doing a workshop and getting the news, the sad news in some ways, but rejoicing in other ways that our, our Roger Tenbrink, our sweet Miss Marilyn, that, that Roger's health is in decline and his life's in jeopardy and Tender and Rob have been sent for and they're on their way home. And praise God, they get to be with their dad before he passes. And this Wednesday, at 11 o'clock here, we'll have his funeral service. Marilyn and Roger, faithful members of Faith Keepers, But to try to preach a funeral for someone who probably wasn't a believer. And all the family, a large family, standing in Blaine Cemetery, right off 68th Street. Right before the funeral, got a text from Chad Kennedy that Ken Kennedy... Our elder in the church here, Ken, we all know Ken, barely made it out of the shower, was sitting on his bed, couldn't get up, rushed to the hospital, and it ended up being pneumonia. John Gilcrest, he's down at Spectrum Butterworth. When I got in to see him, grabbed my hand and he grabbed Donna's hand, his wife, and tears are in his eyes and he's fighting to hang on, fighting to hang on. Can't hardly talk, so uh, small of a voice. Has had some many strokes. Got some blood on the brain. Throat has some paralysis, so it's hard to swallow, trying to remedy that, because when he swallows even water, he gets choked. So many people sick. So many people suffering. And it just happens to be in part six of this sermon series, Reaching the Golden Shore. Reaching, more specifically, God's golden shore. What I've tried to do in this series is to use this metaphor of leaving the safety of shore and entering the uncertain waters of trusting God to say that this metaphor is a metaphor for life and faith that we suit up, that we get our 
feet wet. We take those initial steps of faith. And though things are unclear and the water's murky, we just relax and we keep breathing. And as you heard last week, we sight, we lift our heads above the water and try to keep our eyes on the end goal. And that's what this writer said here. Paul says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. How often do you do that? How often do you settle down in quietness and be still before the Lord and examine yourself and look at your life and see, am I still in the faith? Test yourselves. Am I living this life of faith? Is it seen in my life? Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. We want to finish strong in our faith walk. Whenever our life on this earth is ended. Roger Tenbrink finished strong. He finished trusting the Lord. When we read in Hebrews 11 of the, the greats of faith... When it says they were still living by faith when they died, that's a Roger Tendrink. That will be a John Gilchrist. That will be an Edna DeLang. That was a Bill Brimmer. Is it going to be you? Will you still be living by faith when you die? Why would you say that? Unless some quit living by faith. So we all need to examine ourselves. We need to test ourselves. And make sure we're living out the faith. That God has called us to. In his son Jesus Christ. So here is Paul. Talking about his death. Paul says, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. You know, very few people think about the end of their lives. I was listening to a sermon by John Piper, and he says, The last sermon of every year, he spends that whole week thinking about the end of his life. And the first sermon in the beginning of the new year, he thinks about resurrection in Christ. But he says he always thinks about his death. Because it encourages him in his faith walk with God. The largest cemetery funeral service I ever officiated was yesterday. The casket was lined with flowers. 
And I sure hope. I sure hope. He was a believer. But I don't know. Don't you think. We should live a life. That it's sort of without question. I know. I know you believe. Instead of just wishing and hoping for the best. You see, whenever you come to Jesus Christ in faith, whenever you repent of your sins, confess those sins, and are buried with Christ in baptism, and resurrected in newness of life, beginning your faith journey, having your sin washed away, now standing before God in His grace as white as a lamb, having all the promises that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Praise God for that. That's the beginning. But we are called not to grow weary. We are called to be faithful. We are called not to drift away. We are called to live and pour out our lives for Jesus Christ. And what Paul is saying is, that's what's happening to me now. I'm going to die. I don't know when I'm going to die. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be in the next minute. But my death is imminent. I'm in a Roman prison. They've got me. Timothy, I'm writing to you. I'm encouraging you to be faithful to God because my time is coming. I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the altar of God's sacrifice for me. My life is ebbing away as the container is being emptied. And the time for my departure, that word departure, is a word that's used that whenever the ropes are untied from the mooring of a dock to let the the ship, the boat, sell away. I'm, I'm leaving this world for good. And as we know from extra non-biblical literature, Paul's probably beheaded. Is your life, is your life really being poured out on the altar of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Examine yourselves. Are you living the life of faith? And I pray that as you examine and test yourselves that you pass the test. Because here's the test. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I believe I'm saved by His grace and not by my works. But because I'm saved by His grace and not by my works, I work hard all the time in service to Him. Because that's what He wants from me. And then Paul moves to some of the most powerful words that we'll see here after this slide. I want you to see this slide because this has all been built on these triathlons I've been doing. But uh, this is... The first part of the finish, 
in a, the swim, but it's happened down in Benton Harbor. I was a part of this one. And this is a young lady, and as you can see, as I've enlarged it, this older guy. And I saw that picture after reading a bunch of posts from different people that were in the Ironman down there. It's like, that Lake Michigan swim was the worst ever. And I thought, you know, that really is the picture of the life of faith, especially near the end of life. She's got a grimace. She's younger, but she's struggling on. But this older guy, he's crawling out of the water. Crawling. That's what John Gilchrist reminded me of yesterday. Just crawling to the finish line. And it's sad and it's glorious all at the same time. It's sad because they're your friends. You love them. And it's sad to see someone's physique and and body waste away where they can't stand and they can't move and they, they... They can't function. But that's really a picture of what crossing the finish line, reaching the golden shore, it's not easy. It's an effort. It's work. It's a struggle. It's a battle. The waves are real. The obstacles are there. We we fight through this life. Once we get to the finish line, and that finish line is God calling us home, then the race is complete. The battle is over. And that's why Paul then writes, I have fought the good fight. Now I want you to to listen to something, that first line. I have fought the good fight, because you would not see this if it did not... Look at it in Greek, not just throwing Greek words out to you. But there's a play on words. Fought and fight is where we get our English words agonizing, fought, agony, fight. Paul says, I have experienced the agonizing agony. Go back and read Second Timothy. He talks about his suffering. So whenever we read this, well, it sounds good. I have fought the good fight. Paul, it's true. But it was agonizing agony in this life. Often the end of one's life is not easy. It's hard. It's difficult. There's suffering. And in the spiritual realm, there's suffering. There is agonizing agony in our faith walk with God and dealing with people and one another and brothers and sisters and the world that can make many just, I I quit. I give up. I throw in the towel. I'm done. 
I can't please everybody. I'm falling short. I messed up. I sinned. But then Paul has to throw in the word. It's a good agonizing agony. Not only a play on words, but then a play on the concept. What is so precious? What is so good? What is so admirable and valuable about the agonizing agony? It is that God is working in you and giving you His mighty strength, the same strength that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead so that you can crawl across that finish line in His power and might and the way that He's called you to come across the finish line. You ever felt like giving up? You ever felt like just throwing your hands in? I tell you, Ministers feel that way a lot more than you probably think. But then we're reminded. We're reminded, Jerry, minister for 40 years, faithful minister, that it's a good fight. What you're doing is an admirable thing because you're looking and you're trusting your God. Your husband's cruel. Your wife's unfaithful. Your children aren't thankful. Your health is in decline. Your job is no good and miserable. But what's the other options? All these things come at us, but our spiritual life, it's a good fight. We don't give up. We realize it's not easy. It's not easy. But what's the other option? What's the other option? Because one way or the other, unless the Lord returns, we're all going to end up in a cemetery or cremated. We're all going to have some flowers put on our caskets by loved ones. But all I really care about ultimately, does God remember me? Does God remember me? Am I His? Because all the flowers in the world and all the nice things said about you and all the memories of the people that cared most about you mean nothing In the grand scheme, what means everything is you have trusted your life with the Lord and you've allowed Him to pour it out. And He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Miss Marilyn, those are the words that your Roger of 57 years of marriage heard when he closed his eyes and breathed his last. We love you. We are behind you. And God is good as you keep reminding me. Let us all stay the course, no matter the losses in this life. I have finished the race. I have completed it. 
It's been a lifelong course. Kept the faith. I really think that these three lines are saying the same thing, but they're unique in the sense that they just give us a little bit of a flavor that it's agonizing agony, but it's still a, a good fight, and that of course I've completed it, and I've finished this lifelong race, and now I'm leaving this world, and I'm never going to return to this world, and I've kept the faith that I began with, with the Lord. I'm dying but still believing as I leave this world shortly. And now there's in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the righteous Lord will reward you, me with. You think about that. Last week I was at the Michigan Titanium, as you know, and uh, it was an absolute blast. But it was hard. Gutting it out. You know, past this one guy that was like 39. And he had Olympic on his right leg. And I just like, stay with him. Stay with him. He's got a good pace. Stay with him. Don't stop running. That's like a personal goal. I don't want to stop. Keep going. Keep going. About 5.25 miles in. Like, now go for it. Break his spirit. <laughs> it's a worldly thing, right? You know, I went around him and, like, uh, just kept going like I had a lot left and I really didn't. But I never saw him again. I knew my wife was there at the finish line. And here you come down that street and, you know, when you see finish it's like all of a sudden you feel like you got all kinds of energy and you fly past that and as you come through you're just like thank you god that i finished and then they put this medal on you do you remember when we started this sermon series i i quoted first timothy 4 verse 8 i want to remind you of that and that medal. A lot of things go through your mind when you cross that line. Because it is all exertion. All the way. You don't want to drown. And you just don't go swim a mile. Without really practicing. So you get up at 4.30 a.m. to be in the Kentwood school pool at 5 a.m. It's no fun. You run late evenings or you bike late evenings. Or on the weekend. But it all comes together and you say, you know, I've, I've, I've put in the effort. And for this time, I made it across. And I got this medal. And to be truthful, it's like you, the medal's everything. It's like, I, if I don't get a medal, I'm not going to do that race. I want the medal to say that I completed something. 1 Timothy 4.8. And I remind you again. Physical training has some value. But godliness has value for all things. For this life and the life to come. 
Now, what's the point of 1 Timothy 4.8? I mean, it's pretty clear that there's physical things that we do that have a little bit of value, but not much. And then there's physical things that we do, spiritual things, that have value in abundance. That medal really means nothing. I mean, it means something to me. It's sort of a desire that I've had, one of my bucket list things to check off. Okay, I like it, it's good, but that metal's going to rot, rust, decay. I'll give it to Ashley, she might give it to her kids, and her kids are going to throw it away. Sort of like those head vases I told you about my mom. They mean nothing to nobody except maybe you. Physical, God allows certain things in our life that we have desires that aren't sinful. I'd like to do this, or I'd like to do that. But keep it in perspective. Because the desires, the personal desires of our heart, should be small in comparison to the spiritual desires of pursuing God. Because whenever you cross that finish line of faith, when God calls you home, whenever you depart from this world and leave this life behind forever, the text says that God Himself will crown you with the wreath, that He will crown you with this crown of righteousness. That's the medal I want. I want God to place the crown of righteousness on my head. I want to hear God say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And if I go before my wife, I'm going to be there at the finish line cheering her on. And if she goes before me, she can cheer me on. But let us cheer each other on while we're on this side of life to be faithful to God. To not give up meeting together. Knowing that there is the prize. And that prize, that crown, is really a metaphor for the eternal life that God is rewarding you with. Oh, God is so good. God is so kind. God is so loving. God is so merciful. God is so gracious. Let us pour out our lives in service to the King. Let us be faithful. Let us not whine. Let us serve. Let us teach. Let us sing. Let us pray. Let us look to the prize. Let us look to Jesus and never take our eyes off the Lord. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for each and every person here. And I pray that your spirit moves in their hearts and their lives, Father, that you will call them closer to you and that they will respond and, and welcome you in deeper ways into their lives. Father, help us to rest in you, to trust you in every possible way. Oh, Father, Paul said he just longed to be with you. But for now, it was better that he stayed here on earth. But Father, let us all know that reaching the golden shore, your golden shore, the finish line, is what we all 
want. Help us, Lord, in your strength to finish strong. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us stand together. If you have any prayer needs, if you're battling and struggling, we have prayer teams that are around the church that want to partner with you in prayer. Listen, reach out and pray and watch what God does. God bless each and every one of you. Stay close to the Lord and stay in His Word.
Let's lift up a shout of praise for Jesus this morning. Can we cross the aisles and let's take a hand as we get ready to close in prayer and as our small group leaders make their way out to the tables? We're just going to have a time of just prayer together. John, you don't have to get up. Let's all squeeze together and take a hand. And let's bow our heads. Father, we approach your throne of grace as a congregation. And we thank you for our life. Thank you for the breath that you give each and every one of us. Heavenly Father, we ask that you'll continue to protect us by the power of your name, that you draw us together, unify us as we look to you. Help us, Lord, to have a burning desire and passion, a humble boldness to be a congregation that is welcoming, inviting, warm, friendly, but more than all of those things that stand on the rock and the truth of your word in humility and sincerity. I pray for each person here and what they're facing and what they're battling. I just pray that your faith truly, Lord, would shine upon them. I pray for the the person that's here, Lord, that hasn't made the decision for you that doubts you or don't know if they believe in you. I pray that you make yourself known to them and that you speak to their heart and convict them so deep in their spirit that today, tomorrow, they fall on their knees and give glory to you and cry out for your mercy, forgiveness, and repentance. Father, those of us that have walked with you and held your hand know how good you are. And we thank you for your promise. And we thank you mostly for Jesus and what he has done for us. Help us, Lord, to share our faith, to be fishers of men. Be with us through the rest of this year. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, if you're not a part of a small group, I just encourage you to go talk to the leaders. If you are a part of a small group, go talk to them anyway. Encourage them along. God bless.